Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. It is uh, a joy to have you as part of our church here at St. Saviour's and a joy to be able to call you a brother in Christ this morning. Thank you so much. He's got me weeping already. Uh, so we've heard the story of uh, Bartimaeus. Uh, Jesus is on the way to uh, Jericho, on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus is about to be, as we know, as we think about Easter coming up in a couple of weeks' time, he's going to be arrested, tortured, and killed. And then three days later, of course, we will celebrate that God raised him from the dead. Um, I'd love you to join us at our Easter services. You can pick up details on the way out from the hosting team. Last couple of weeks, we've been spending some time having a look at our vision, which is... Okay, back to class. <clears throat> and our vision, which is... Okay, right, an easier question for you then maybe. Uh, has anyone ever been to Jericho? Yeah, put your hands up. You, yeah, you've been to Jericho, wonderful. It's one of the oldest continually inhabited cities in the world. Uh, it's located near the River Jordan, uh, flows into the Dead Sea. It's an absolute oasis in the desert. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem is about 15 miles long. It's uphill all the way, and the elevation changes by about 3,500 feet. That's just to give you a bit of background. And there at that place was a blind man called Bartimaeus, and he lived there. And he was used to being blind, this guy. He may have even found some advantages in his condition. His blindness wouldn't have been an easy thing to give up. I wonder if the darkness had become so familiar to him that he'd taken it for granted. He maybe even found it comforting. I wonder how much he'd adopted the identity of blind Bartimaeus. I wonder how much his blindness had actually become part of his identity, who he was. Had he gotten so used to that way of life? Did he really want to give it up? And yet we know from the story, don't we, that one day after meeting Jesus, he gave it up. Now, Bart wasn't only blind, but he was also a beggar. And every day, Bart sat beside the road, holding his hands out, asking for money. And he couldn't see, but as it is with many people who can't see, their hearing could be so much greater. And on the day described in our text, he could tell from the sounds of the crowd that something unusual was happening, something strange was occurring. He turned to someone and said, what's going on? And over the mumble of the mob, he heard Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And, and no doubt that Bart had heard of this Jesus. He'd heard of the stories. He'd heard how Jesus had healed people, maybe even how some people had regained their sight. And even though Bart couldn't see Jesus, in that moment, he believed. He didn't just believe that Jesus was in the city, that he was coming down the road. He believed that Jesus had the power and the love to transform his life. And what about you? When you see Jesus moving in other people, when you see Jesus moving through this church, but you don't believe it's for you, the first question to ask yourself is, do you believe even when you don't see? Do you believe even when you don't see? Maybe, maybe you're just waiting for more proof. Maybe you want to see more proof. See, Bart believed before he saw any proof. 
Some people, they want visual proof that God exists. I wonder if you're one of them. Um, if you're a friend of mine on social media, you may have caught something that I said on that thing called Facebook. But being clever or smart doesn't equate to being right. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And at one point, somebody else responded in our congregation, and I said something like, a fool in his heart says there is no God. It's all pieces of scripture that I was quoting. One of my atheist friends said, well, I'm a fool. I was born a fool and will probably die a fool. There's nothing I can do. My brain will only accept theories which can be tested or proved. And here's the work of an evangelist. Rowena replied, If you can only accept theories that have been tested and proved, then you may want to rethink atheism. A belief in nothing has never been tested or proved. All atheism does is rob you of hope and science. And a lot more. To which she responded, well, my, uh, my father has been healed and he wasn't a Christian. And my friend who was a Christian died. So where is your God? Is it pick and choose? Does he cause who he heals? Uh, and then Rowan, of course, responded... Uh, and responded, and responded. <laughs> and I'm flicking down this more. And in the end, the work of an evangelist, ladies and gentlemen, says that my wife in a couple of weeks' time will be driving to Bristol to meet with this woman who wants to work out why her brain hurts so much. <laughs> because she's looking for proof. She wants to know that God exists. Now, what if I could prove to you that God exists? What if I could give you visual proof? If I said, God, would you just lift off the roof of this building, spin it around three times, and then drop it back down into place? And God, whilst you're at it, if you could just build us that extension, <laughs> sort out the kitchen and the toilets. Oh, but before you think I've gone do Lanny, imagine for a moment God, God did that. I suspect every skeptic in here and out there would believe in God. And then they would show up next week. And then we would have a real parking problem, right? But to believe in God because you saw something, that is not faith. To believe in God because you saw is not faith. Because we Christians walk by faith, not by sight. You'll also find that in the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Where are you wanting God to move in your life that you can see with your physical eyes? Challenge you this morning. Does that need to change? Or are you looking in the right places or maybe the wrong places? Just out of interest, how many of you have actually seen Jesus? Mind putting your hand up? Have seen Jesus. Okay, thank you. Just a couple of us. That means there's a lot of us walking by faith in this room right now. Be encouraged. Join us. It promises to be an adventure. If you look at your text, if you want to open up your Bibles, you'll find it on uh, page 1015 of the Church Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52. See, when Bart cries out to Jesus, the people surrounding him didn't say, oh, good for you, Bart. Jesus can help you. Call him even louder. No, what the people around him say is, shut up, Bart. Stop shouting at Jesus. What are you doing? 
See, you'll find that when you are bold enough to cry out to Jesus, not everyone is going to be excited for you. Your mum, your dad, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, the people in your family. We have discussions all the time in my family about how important Jesus is and how not important it is for them. People will try and hinder you like they did Bart. And I want to encourage you to resist them. Don't let them intimidate you into silence. When Bart was told to be silenced, he wouldn't. In verse 48, in fact, the word shouted all the more is the word crazen. You can guess what word we get from that, right? We get the word crazy from it. And he shouted, ah, Jesus, son of David, help me. See, I think, I think we've gotten too dignified to shout. And um, I just want to remind you that we don't do dignity in this church. I'm just waiting for something to see whether he can get something up at the back there. All right, we don't do dignity in this church. We do that. You know, these days... These days, sometimes the only things that Christians are shouting at are people who are different to them, or people who, people who take their parking spaces. So this is, this is the sign that's going outside my house. Can you read it? Can you read it? Can you tell everyone else to read it as well? I want my space. We've gotten too dignified to shout for Jesus. We do more snoozing than shouting. Some of you want to shout out glory or amen or yes, sister, hallelujah, but you're afraid of what the crowd are going to think. Bart didn't listen to the crowd. He just shouted to the Lord, can I get an amen? amen. The Bible says, Psalm 98, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 100 says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. In fact, we're told to shout to the Lord no less than 20 times in the Bible, it seems important that we shout to the Lord his praises. Even when the crowd and disciples tried to silence him, he shouted even louder. Can I encourage you to do the same? There, that's your cue. Well done. Gold star. Front row. Next week, front row. Verse 51. If you look at verse 51, it says, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. When I first read this, I was slightly confused. So I'm thinking, well, Jesus kind of must know what it is that Bart wants. He can see physically that obviously he's blind. But then I recall that Jesus asked a similar question to a paralyzed man who lay at the pool in Bethesda. He said, do you want to get well to the paralyzed man? Strange questions, right? Bart had a pretty simple life. He'd grown accustomed to sitting beside the road, accepting the hands outs. Some people, it seems, like the attention they get from their suffering. Some people are trapped in this poor me mode. And they say that beggars, beggars can't be choosers. You've heard that, right? But Jesus gave Bart, a beggar, a choice. He asked him because he wanted Bart to admit his point of need. This is what Jesus is looking for. To confess 
that he could believe that Jesus could transform his life. After all, when Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for him? Bart could have said, well, could you give me the name of a good eye doctor? And Jesus would have said, should have gone to Specsavers. He could have just said something generic like, bless me, Lord. But in that one short, simple, specific prayer, he demonstrated his need and his belief in the love and the power of Jesus to transform his life. One thing Jesus does is stand before you today and say, what do you want me to do for you? What's your prayer? What's your short, simple, specific prayer? Hold it now, and at the end we're going to get a chance to respond. I don't think you can pray specifically until you identify your point of need either. Until you're willing to admit your point of need. God can't help you until you say, Lord, I'm addicted to fill in the blanks. Alcohol, pornography, drugs, the internet, shopping, you fill it in. Lord, I've got a problem with my anger, with my bitterness, with my jealousy, with my hatred, with my hard heart. And I want to be, I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. And we are seeing incredible stuff. If I go over here, is it going to hum? Because I just want to get a drink. Every Wednesday, every Wednesday, our community recovery group meets in here. And we are seeing Jesus transforming lives. It is wonderful to behold. Amen. Amen. You see, it matters to Jesus what we want. It matters to Jesus what we want. That's a powerful question. What do you want me to do for you? And it goes deep, goes skin deep. The Greek word, for those of you that are interested, <clears throat> and uh, one of my old lecturers from Bible college is in here today, so I'll just drop that in. Just to, I did learn something. The Greek word is zeteo which means to seek. So the question is not one of those dismissive, what are you after? It's not one of those confused, why are you following me? It is this deep question of what are you seeking? What are you seeking? The question isn't simply an inquiry either, but it's an offer. It's an offer to you today. What do you seek? And Bart answers, Rabbi, I want to see. What do you seek? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Bart chose sight over blindness. He chose to be healed. And in the next instant, he could see. Blind no more. And he followed Jesus. Each and every day, we have an opportunity to lose our blindness especially today, gathered here in this place. Opportunity to accept the grace of God that will allow us to see the world with open eyes, to see the worth of every individual that we meet, the ones that we're sitting next to right now, the beauty of this earth, the wonder of the snow, seeing everything through the Creator's eyes, 
You know, and if I would just challenge you, if you're not seeing individuals and situations differently with loving eyes, then I'd, I'd question whether you're actually following Jesus. You know, we need to open our eyes, receive God's love, and see with his eyes. Jesus gave Bar a new purpose for living. When Jesus called him, the Bible says he cast aside his cloak, jumped to his feet. The beggar's cloak would have had these pockets on the inside so the beggar could hide the food and the money that was given to him. So it would appear that he had nothing. The beggar's cloak was his security blanket. It was his, it was his identity. And what Rose said last week about your identity. Do you know your identity this morning? It was singing songs about being a child of God about it being well with your soul. Do you know that as your primary identity? If you don't, we would love to pray with you after the service. Bart tossed away his past, threw his cloak, and he ran. He ran to Jesus. The only thing he brought to Jesus was his need. Some of you will know an old song, a line that says, nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. So another question for you today. What's your security blanket? What's the thing you don't want to give up? Are you ready to admit your need so that your faith can make a difference? Imagine yourself just for a moment as the blind man. We all have something, not necessarily a physical ailment, something that we know is getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Something that is stopping us from being the people that God created us to be, the identity that he's calling us into. Call out to him. Call out to him. And when he summons you, go for it. When he asks, what, you, what do you want me to do for you? Go for it. Ask for salvation. Ask for freedom. Ask for forgiveness. And it's yours. In that moment, you become a child of God, forever free. You will have beaten death and sin in that one moment because he did it for you. Very, very often when Jesus asks that question, it's okay if you're not a Christian in here this morning, if you're an atheist, um, it's absolutely fine. You might have absolutely no idea what the answer is. But I, I do want to just urge you that at least it should be. Do you know what, Jesus? I want to hang out with you. I want to get to know you. I want to find out who you are. Jesus knows who we are. He knows, even more importantly, who it is that you're becoming. A glorious creation that he is perfecting. Should that put a smile on your face? You know, he has a vested interest in seeing you flourish. He has a vested interest in seeing us flourish. He has a vested interest in seeing lives being radically transformed in his love and in his power. Can I get an amen?
For more information, please go to www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.